sermon is entitled Treasure Planet. It's the third sermon, uh, right smack dab in the middle of a five-week sermon series uh, that we call True Value, Understanding a Divine Perspective in a Temporary World. And if you're following along, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know this is a verse-by-verse study through Luke chapter number 12. And what we're looking at is God's perspective of a temporary world, how God views us. In fact, that's what the first sermon was all about, how God views me. And then the second two sermons are about how God views money, and the following sermons will be about how God views the future. And so you don't want to miss any of these sermons, and if you haven't caught up, go back on YouTube and watch the the previous sermons. But this is sermon number three called Treasure Planet. It's the second part of Jesus's dialogue about money, how this concept of financial means takes place from an eternal perspective. And so today we pick up right there in Luke chapter number 12, verse number 22. Now, if you remember last week, we said to understand the true value of money, you have to understand some rules such as uh, money is good, but it's not, does anybody remember the rest of it? Money is good, but it's not... It's not God. Money is good, but, it, but it's not. It's not God. We also learned last week, if you're going to build wealth, you're to build wealth slowly. That's right. And then we also learned that you're not the, man, you're not the owner, but you're the manager. Think of your money as, as managing God's money, not owning uh, your own. We pick up with that concept right here with one big idea for the whole sermon. And the big idea that uh, envelops the rest of the next 30 minutes is this idea. A proper perspective of money can change your world. A proper, divine, God's point of view perspective of money can change your world. So what should I do? Well, to understand money, you've got to, first and foremost, we're going to see verse 22 and following, you've got to learn to... Pass the money trust test. So what does that mean, pass the trust test? The first of three points in today's sermon, pass the trust test, relates to the idea that money itself is something that God will give you or withhold from you to test you. So that sounds like an odd thing. Well, not really because money itself has no value to God because God values life. God values his creation. But money, I mean, he paves his streets with gold. And so what he does with money is he gives it or withholds it to help test humans. We see that he can give you more money, and that's a test. We see this all throughout the Bible, and we saw it in last week's sermon, Building Bigger Barns, right? Sometimes the test that God gives you as it relates to money, test number one, give you so much money you don't know what to do with. And that's a test from God. He wants to know, what are you gonna do with all this wealth? The second test that he often does is he withholds money from you so you have less money than you actually need. That's a test from God. We're going to see that one play out in this passage. Sometimes he gives you more than you can handle. Sometimes he gives you less than you need. Um, By the way, those are both tests. Which test would you like to go through? Amen? Like, I'll take test number one. Test number one. Sign up me of test number one. 
Last week, we talked about the first test. The second test is described by Jesus here. And that is sometimes you arrive at a place where you feel like I'm in need and I don't have the money to take care of my needs. And I don't want you to raise your hand here today, but some of you are in that scenario. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a test. Like a manager with an employee, as he sees this employee begin to grow, He sees that he has great potential or she has great potential, not only to get a raise, not only to get an advancement, not only to get a new position, but maybe even grow beyond the management position and grow into society. And so the manager will place upon that employee more responsibility, more responsibility, more responsibility to test to see how much this person can hold. It's a test. Or like an investor might see an entrepreneur and he might say, I believe in you. And so what I want to do is I'm going to give you as a test $100,000 to see what you can do with it. And if he does well with that, that investor might give him a million dollars to do more down the road. It's a test. It's a test. So does God test us by giving us opportunity and finance or withhold. Look at what it says in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life. Jesus said, don't worry about all of these things inside of your life for what you will eat or what you will, uh, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, he says, stop worrying about it. Now, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to, you know, think about what you eat. Some of you are like, oh, thank God. I never think of, it's McDonald's every day, amen? That's a bad idea. You're gonna kill yourself, okay? What it's saying is some of us are so consumed with what we consume, nothing else is in our minds. We're constantly thinking about what we put on our bodies. And in this society, and maybe some of you right now are at the place where genuinely you're wondering, where will I get my next meal? How am I gonna eat? If I don't put away now, I'm not looking at building bigger barns. I'm looking at my barn, and suddenly it's getting smaller and smaller, my reserve in there. Some of you are looking at your accounts, and it's getting smaller and smaller. And you're thinking, what about five weeks from now? What about five months from now? What about five days from now? And Jesus says, relax. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat and what food you're going to put on. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. But God feeds them. You look up at the ravens and you think, I wonder where they put all their food. You look up at the ravens and say, do they they plant vineyards and then they pluck grapes and they press wine? No, but they have plenty to eat and God takes care of them. How much more value are you than the birds? And which of you worrying can add one cubit to your stature? What Jesus' problem here is this your anxiety and worry about money. Have you ever been in a place where you genuinely were like, I don't know where I'm gonna get my next food. I don't know where I'm gonna get my next, I don't know about this bill. I don't know how I'm gonna pay this off. I have no idea how I'm gonna get this loan taken care of. I'm worried and stressed about money. And he says, don't worry about this money. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to a stature? Have you ever wondered why God put you as the size that you are? Some of, you are one, some of you think, you know, Pastor Josh, I wish I was the perfect size like you are. You know what I mean? Like five foot nothing, you know. 
Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I just wish I could grow three more inches, Brandon? Have you ever thought that? Probably not. You've probably never thought that. No matter how much anxiety you have, no matter how much worry, you can't manifest six more inches. You can't think yourself to be a foot taller. You can't do it. You say, why? You say, because it's impossible. For some reason, God has you at the height God has you. At this point, some of you say, amen, amen. Travis and I know. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen, we know. Amen, perfect height. I don't trust tall people. Let's go. (laughs) If you then are not able to do the least of these, why are you anxious about the rest? If you're unable to make yourself taller, what makes you think you can make yourself richer? Americans don't like hearing that. And the reason is, is because we've bought into the lie that you are the master of your own fate. You are the captain of your own ship. I am not saying the opposite of what I said last week. It is true. The Bible makes it very clear. And if you didn't hear last week's message, go back and hear it. The biblical principle is if you work hard, you'll get ahead. Work hard, get ahead. Work hard, get ahead. It's not stacked against you any more than it's stacked against anybody else. Work hard, get ahead. However, the amount of wealth you're allowed is purely based upon God deciding. God decides, because no matter how much wealth you build, at any moment, God can say, it's gone. And even if you don't work hard, God can say, here's a billion dollars. You ever see those uh, lottery winners that are just like shocked, you know what I mean? It's because God decides. So if you can't make yourself grow, what makes you think you can take care of yourself financially? Consider the lilies of the field. How the, by the way, some of you are like, this is really controversial teaching. It was controversial teaching when Jesus taught it on a plane in the middle of a field. Filled with green grass and lilies growing up. And so Jesus points them out and he says, look at the lilies of the field. Do you see it in verse number 27? Consider the lilies, how they grow. Neither do they toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon was not arrayed in glory as one of these. Have you ever seen a flower in the middle of a field? By the way, for those of you born and raised in Las Vegas, flowers are these plants that come up. You can find them in Albertsons. You can, they get them. Have you ever gone to a field and see a flower grow up and you walk to the flower and the flower is like grow, you know? Is it making itself grow? Have you ever seen the flowers in competition with one another? I'll get taller than you. You don't see this. It's not what's going on. Consider the lilies of the field. Do they toil or, or spin? No, but God takes care of them. Absolutely every single one of them. And verse 28, if God then clothed the If God then clothes the grass of the field, which today is in the field, and then tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? If God takes care of the flowers, he'll take care of you. And then he says, O you of little faith. This is one of the phrases Jesus liked to use. He said it to Peter when Peter was walking on the water and dipped into the water, and Jesus reached in the water and saved him. He pulled him up and said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me, oh, you of little faith? And do, verse 29, and do not seek what you should eat or what you shall drink, nor have an anxious mind. 
Don't spend your time thinking about how am I going to eat? How am I going to provide for myself? I'm filled with anxiety and worry. For all of these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. Notice Jesus' point. His point is this. Don't you understand? That's how the rest of the nations stress out. But you are my people. You say, but I'm an American. You're not an American. You're a Christian. Can I get an amen? You might have a secondary allegiance to some nation, but if you're a Christian, your primary allegiance is to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Kingdom of Christ. Can I get an amen? As Americans, they stress out. As Christians, we're calm. We're cool. You say, why? Because your president may fail you, but my King of Kings will never do so. I'm going to be provided for. All of those things the Gentile nations are freaking out about but not so for you. Christians don't need to have an anxious, worried, stressed out mind. So that's hard for me to learn. I get it, it's hard for a lot of people to learn. It's hard for me to learn. Probably because of all that we've been through. Anybody have a dog here? Dog owners? How many dog owners here? Raise your hand real high. How many of you have a dog? Really? Ooh, lots of dog people. What kind of dog do you have? Yeah, a, a what? A lab. I thought you said a lamb. Like, that is not a dog, sir. But it's very biblical. God bless you. A lab, a lab. Very good. Two labs, two labs. Very good. We got a rescue whenever, um, when, when I was growing up, and it looked very much like this dog. Um, uh, this dog, there it is. Yeah. Beautiful dog. And he loved to do what this dog did. He loved to go around and dig holes. Freaked out my dad, made him so mad, anxious, and upset about it. He would run around and dig up a hole here and dig up. A, yeah, how many of you ever have a digger? How many of you right now have a digger and it's driving you nuts? You're like, what are you doing? Digging. And this is what our, but our dog would not dig big holes like this. Our dog would dig little holes. My dad would stop it, stop it. And one day as a teenager, I think I was about 13 or 14 at the time, um, I, I went out and I'm like, what is he doing? There he is, he's digging, I'm gonna go check it out. So he dug something and then he covered it and then he went away. And he would do this every single day, several times a day. So I went over to the little hole and I dug out all the little dirt And it was only about three or four inches deep. And you know what was at the bottom of this hole? It was dog food. It was all the kibble. And then I I went over about three feet away. There was another hole I dug there. It was a mouthful of kibble. And so then I started watching and investigating this dog. This dog would, every time he was fed, would, before he ate anything, he would grab a mouthful of kibble, he would run over to a new spot, he would dig it, he would put all the kibble in, and then he would cover it up. Why do you think a rescue dog would feel that the dog has need to do such a thing? And it was so hard for us as human beings to convince this dog You're safe now. We're going to feed you every day. You don't don't have to. That's the way things used to be. That's the way things are for other dogs out there. That's not the way it's going to be for you. Don't you understand you've been adopted into a new family? Don't you understand your next meal has already been planned? You don't have to be anxious and worried, friend. You're in the Father's house now. And so you've got to learn to pass the trust test. 
Sometimes it means more than you need. What are you going to do with all this? Some of the times it's less than you need. Are you going to trust God? No matter with what he gives you, will you believe in his provision? Number one, you got to pass the trust test. Number two, number two, according to this passage, you've got to keep his kingdom first. You've got to keep his kingdom first. You've got to keep his kingdom first. I'm going to say number two. You say keep his kingdom first. Number two. Come on, come on, church. Do it with me. Number two, keep his kingdom first. You've got to keep his kingdom above your kingdom. Based on all of the beautiful poetry that Jesus just said about lilies and about birds and about ravens, he then makes a very strong declarative sentence in the very next verse. Look at what he says in verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added to you. In Matthew, Jesus says the same thing. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things God will take care of. Okay, if it's not my responsibility to get all of this stuff together, then what is my responsibility? Your responsibility is to take care of his kingdom and he'll take care of his servants. Do you get it? Your responsibility is to advance his kingdom, and then he'll just take care of all the people that advance his kingdom. Makes sense. It's, pretty, it's a pretty simple deal. Okay. Chocolate. You like chocolate? How many of you like chocolate? Raise your hand. Oh, there it is. Yes. How many of you, you say, Pastor Josh, it's not chocolate that I like. It's beyond a affectionate relationship. It has become a love affair. How many of you love chocolate? Raise your hand. How many of you love chocolate? It's, it's, part of, it's not just a desire. It's not a want. It's a need. Like I need it for my life to live. And the moment it's not, I'm out. You know what I mean? I'm out. The moment the doctor test says to me, no more chocolate, I'll say, I can go to heaven. I'm fine. I feel fulfilled. Amen. I love chocolate. I do. I love chocolate. Now, now, let's suppose you don't just love chocolate and like chocolate, but you need chocolate to survive. And suddenly, you were offered a new apprenticeship, and your new apprenticeship was going to be in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Hallelujah. You're going to work full time for Willy Wonka himself, personal assistant to Willy Wonka. Let me ask you a question. If you work hard for that company, do you think you'll ever go without chocolate? Why? The reason the answer is no is because they're overflowing with chocolate. Chocolate is the least of their concerns. You want chocolate? You got chocolate. Here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. You've not just been adopted into his family. You've been hired into his company. The dude, the God you serve paves his streets with gold. And he says, don't worry about gold. Gold's not bad, but it's not God. If you need something, just serve the kingdom and I'll get you whatever you need. I'll, I'll get you what you need. You say, well, serve the kingdom, what does that mean for me, Pastor Josh? If I'm going to serve the kingdom and put the kingdom first, does that mean I need to be a preacher? For some of you, yes, but not for all of you. Like for me, that's my job for the kingdom. What's your job for the kingdom? As a father, you have a job for the kingdom. One of the most important things you can do for the kingdom is to provide for your children, protect them from harm, and teach them about the king of kings. As a mother, you do the same. As a wife for the kingdom, you love your husband. As a husband for the kingdom, you love your, 
life, back and forth, whatever it is. I, I missed it. So in the home, you can advance your kingdom. Do you see? But not just in the home. In the workplace. In the workplace, you can advance your kingdom. But not your kingdom, his kingdom. You see, you don't go to work where you go to work because you are there to just make some money and take care of your family. You go to work because you're a missionary there. They are supposed to go to Africa and be a missionary. You're supposed to go to your place and be a missionary. The reason why you're a dealer down at the casino is because God wants a missionary as a dealer in that casino. You say, but I don't act like a follower of Jesus there. Then change, amen. There's a, there's a friend. He's here in this service, Jeremy. Jeremy, um, Jeremy is, the, is the light and uh, uh, audio and visual and lighting director of a, of a show called Jabberwockies. Say Jabberwockies. Jabberwockies. I love just saying that word, Jabberwockies. And, and we went to the show not too long ago, and he's back in the booth, and there's got all the lighting and the lasers and the sound and the music. I mean, it's really super amazing back there. Say, Jeremy is back there every single night doing these shows. All of these people come. It's a really cool show to see. And as he's back there, you say, what is he doing there? He's putting on a light show. Is he? No. He's a representative of Jesus' kingdom there. So all the people that work for him and all the people he works for and all the people that work around him know him as a Jesus person. You see? And all of the people that walk through and they happen to get to see him and know him, he is there pursuing and advancing the kingdom of Jesus. That's what Jesus wants. That's why Jesus picked him to be there, and that's why Jesus picked you to be at the place that you're at. Does this make sense? So we're to let our light shine before men so that they, got, they may see our good, work, good works and glorify our God, which is in heaven. This is what it means to advance his kingdom first. It doesn't mean we all go to Africa. It doesn't mean we all go to Oakland where Akeem and Jamie are. It doesn't mean we all are preachers. It does mean that you advance his kingdom wherever God places you. Number one, what should we do? We've got to pass the trust test. Can God trust you with the money or lack thereof? Number two, you've got to keep his kingdom first. You advance his kingdom, he'll take care of your needs. Number three, you've got to give money generously. You have to learn this is how money works. You have to learn how money works. The rules change the moment you get adopted into the family. Some of the rules stay the same. Work hard, get ahead, save, invest for your future. Some of the rules are the same, but the moment you get saved, the moment you're in the family, you have to understand there is a rule that's added, and that is if you give it away, God changes everything. Give it away, give it away, give it away. Give it generously. And, and there are two things that happen when you give it away. The first thing that happens is you teleport your treasure to another planet, treasure planet, and you transplant your own heart from what it was to what it is. That's what money does, teleportation. Don't you wish teleportation was a thing? I remember as a child watching this show, Star Trek, teleportation. Beam me up, Scotty. I, I remember thinking to myself, have you ever been at an airport with, surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and like, along with the other cattle, you're being shifted into a line to get on a tube and go up in the air? Have you ever been in this? And you think to yourself, well, this is not fun. 
but you're going to get on this airplane and you're going to go across the country because you have to be there, right? Every time I'm about to get on the airplane, I always think the same thing. I wish I could just teleport there. I wish there was a machine. I could walk in and all of a sudden I walk out of it and I'm home, at home, in my jummies, with my remote. Amen? That's what I would love. How many of you would love to not have to leave here and drive home? You know what I mean? Like walk right out, you walk into a box, you're at home, you've got your PJs and your Doritos. You know what I mean? Like the Bible says don't worry about what you eat. Amen? Just keep eating the Doritos. If you couldn't teleport yourself, wouldn't it be amazing to teleport things? You have a friend or a family member, a loved one somewhere else you would like to send something to? You don't have to go to UPS. You just put it in a box and it's there. That'd be amazing. The Snooks just packed up an entire container with all of their livelihood, all of their clothes and all of their couches and their beds and all the, all the stuff they need to live in Africa. They packed it all up, one of those giant containers, you know what I mean? And, and then that container is being shipped, uh, uh, trucked all the way to like San Diego. It's going to go on a giant ship. It's going to go down through the Pacific all the way around the world. It's going to dock in Africa, and then they're going to have the container. I mean, what a mess! Wouldn't it be amazing if they could take all of that stuff and just like bring it into a room, and then we close the doors, and poof, it was in Africa. It'd be amazing, teleportation. Okay, so here's what you got to learn. Teleportation does exist. You can take treasure from this planet and put it into the next planet. Sound weird? Say, Pastor, I didn't think we were a cult until this moment. <laughs> Look at what Jesus says. Look at what he says. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says that because he just said, seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And you might be like, but I'm afraid if I put God's kingdom first and not my kingdom, what will that mean for me? He says, don't be afraid. God's goodwill is to give you the kingdom. The future kingdom, the future planet, the future kingdom, it's going to be yours. So then he says what to do with it. So verse 33, here's the practical advice. Sell everything you have and give it away. Sell what you have and give alms. Give alms is a general category of giving to the poor, giving your tithes, giving offerings, giving everything to everybody that you possibly can. Give. Why? He says, so you'll be poor. That's not Jesus' point. Look at what he says. Give alms, provide that you're, for yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heavens that do not fail, where neither thief approaches nor moth destroys. Some of us take all of our treasure and we put it in another box. It's called a safe. And we say, this is where our money will stay. The problem is uh, money corrupts. Uh, we go through recessions. Money flies away. You open it up and, and moths have destroyed all of your clothes. It goes away. That's the problem. What if you could take all of that, put it in another box, and suddenly you've provided for yourself money bags do, that do not grow old? Treasure that goes into the heavens that do not fail. What if you could teleport your treasures there? Don't you understand that every dollar you give to missions, every dollar you give to advance the kingdom of God, every time you take a 10 spot out and you give it to a homeless person who needs a meal, every single time you do that, you have teleported your treasures to the future. Jesus doesn't say, don't build your wealth. He says, don't build your wealth here. 
because it's going to be gone very soon. Build your wealth there. Don't seek treasure. He doesn't say that. He actually says quite the opposite. Build for yourself treasure. Just put it to the future. Do you see? And there are two results of doing this. When you give generously, it not only teleports your treasure, it transforms and changes and transplants your heart. The second side effect is probably the most important, and it says it in verse 34, the last verse we study today. It says, for where your treasure is, there is your heart also. <laughs> why does God want you to teleport all of your treasure to the future kingdom? Here's why. Because some of our hearts are planted too deeply in this kingdom. The only way to change your heart is to get you to focus on the future kingdom. And the only way to get us focused on the future kingdom is to give our money toward the kingdom. See, giving is not about anybody else. It's about you. Changing you. Have you ever wondered, I did, when I was a new preacher. You ever wonder why God doesn't just build churches like we say we want a church built and then we pray over a piece of ground and all of a sudden a church just grows out of the ground you ever wonder you ever wonder why we have to send missionaries to africa why can't god just make africa togo christian why do we have to send the missionaries to oakland to plant a church we have to give for that couldn't god do it without your money how many of you believe god can do anything without your money amen so why does he ask for it he asks for it because he wants to change your heart. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Five years ago, I could care less about Oakland, California. Honestly, I don't know anything about Oakland. Who cares? The A's were from there. The Raiders were from there. We're taking all their sports teams. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but do you know why I love Oakland now? Because I personally have given personally have given thousands of dollars to help plant a church there. Now I love Oakland. Where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. Do you know why I love Togo? I would have never been able to point Togo out on a map. Togo, West Africa. Where's that? Who cares? But do you know why I love Togo, West Africa? Because I personally have sacrificed and I've given thousands of dollars so that we can send our friends to Togo, West Africa. No, I love it. I can't wait to go there. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to meet the people. I love it my, because where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. Some of you are going through this right now. You love this church more suddenly. You don't know why. I'll tell you why. You're like, man, I, I used to drive by this church and didn't give it a second thought. Now I love this place. And you think you love it because the music's great. And you think you love it because your pastor's awesome. You're learning. You're learning. This is good. You think you love it for those reasons. You don't. You love this church like supernaturally because you've been giving to it. You drive down Blue Diamond Road and your heart is drawn over here. You see the building project and you're like, when's it going to start? When's it going to start? When's it going to start? You call Pastor Fred. When's it going to start? When's it going to start? When's it going to start? Why do you do this? Because you love it. Why? Because where your treasure is, there's your heart. You say, I don't feel that. You do feel that about something. You say, what do I feel it about? Wherever you put your money. 
Where your treasure is, there's your heart. A proper perspective of money will change your world. Understanding its true value will transform your life. This is what I want for you. More so, this is what Jesus wants for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today, how powerful and true it is. I pray that we would trust you, knowing that we're in your family and that we don't have to bury our little treasures around the yard, but that we can trust you're going to take care of us. I pray that we would trust you. I pray, Lord, that we would understand how important it is to keep your kingdom first. And that if we put your kingdom first, you'll take care of all of our little needs. And I pray, Lord, you would challenge us to give generously, not just in the upcoming commitments on March 12th, but that you would help us to give generously to every individual in need that we possibly can. Why? Because where our treasure is in your kingdom, there will our heart be also. Thank you, Jesus, for being patient with me and being patient with this church as we learn these principles. Bless us as we continue to obey them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.